socials and Eden podcast. Um, so quickly before we get going tonight, just a quick update on the Eden acts and the Eden socials. This month on the 29th of February, um, we're going to be at a Catholic school in Ipswich called St Albans, which I work at, and we're going to be helping them put together their prayer garden. Um, they just need a few bits doing before they can probably get started with their work. And then on the same day in the evening, we're going to be going for our Eden socials, um, which is headed up by Stefan. And we're going to be going to the cinema, so keep an eye out on the Instagram pages because there will be a poll soon about which film we go and see, so you can have your say on that about which film we see. So joining me today, we have Zoe and Becky, um, and we're going to be talking a little bit about mission. Um, my name's Josh, um, I've already said that already, but, um, so we're going to have a little bit of a chat about mission um, throughout this evening. So first of all, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourselves? Um, okay. Becky, do you want to go first? Just a bit about you, you know, roughly who you are and what you're currently doing. Um, I'm Becky. Um, this is incredibly loud. So <laughs> they said three fingers away, and I think if I go three fingers away, I'm going to deafen everybody. Oh, no. Oh, I'm, I'm quite close now. Here we go. Um, <laughs> um, so um, my name's Becky. Or Rebecca if I'm in trouble with my mother, which is quite a lot. Um, and my job, I'm as um, a senior customer services advisor at a local manufacturer. Um, it does. <laughs> um, I live on a farm with my mum and dad, and I have a brother and sister, both of whom are married. Um, my mum and dad are Christians, and I became a Christian at quite a young age, about 11 years old. Um, so church has always been a really huge part of my life. Um, I'm a real bookworm and I love reading. I also love watching rugby, going to the cinema and walking my three Jack Russells. Very nice. <laughs> You're going to be with us on the 29th for our cinema trip. Yes, Fantastic. I would love that. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Zoe, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm Zoe. I am part of the Forge Church. Um, I do youth work there. I have been part of Motion, which is um, the church that we do for our teenagers and also helping run The Base, which is a youth club we run in Debenham. Um, I moved back to England three weeks ago, having lived in Africa for the last year doing missions abroad, which is why I've been invited tonight. Very nice. So first of all, before we actually get onto our topic of, of mission tonight, um, you mentioned a little bit about becoming a Christian when you were quite young, um, but why don't you tell us a little bit more about that journey of sort of your life going to faith, but then also your journey in faith and, and what that's meant to you? Do you go in the same order or? <laughs> Becky's giving me a nervous look, so I'll go. <laughs> um, yep, so I grew up um, with a Christian mum and sort of had an understanding of the Christian faith, but uh, God kind of just felt like something that existed that I wasn't really um, involved with. And so kind of my teenage years, I walked away from God entirely. Um, yeah, I don't think I ever stopped believing in him. I don't think I ever um, didn't know that he was there, but just really wasn't interested. I thought my way of living was better um, and I was very wrong. Um, and I came back to faith when I was 18 in my first year of university, I, um, had an experience that led me very swiftly, um, back to God and kind of changed everything. I had to change my way of life. I was living, 
um, a completely different way of life. And it literally was an overnight switch. Everything changed and has continued to change since. Fantastic. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, I'm quite similar. Yeah, actually, in terms of, um, well, my mum and dad um, are really strong Christians. Um, me and my brother and sister, we grew up um, always going to Sunday school, um, being quite heavily involved um, in that. But then when I was about 17, I um, had quite serious depression, um, which lasted until I was about 21. Um, it was incredibly difficult time. Um, I felt like I'd lost my faith. Um, but even though I felt like I'd lost my faith, I don't think God ever lost me. And I went to a um, soul survivor um, um, encounter thing um, run by Mike Pelavacci and um, the church in Watford. And um, I had, like Zoe, an, an incredible encounter with God. And um, I was totally healed of my depression um, overnight. And it was it was the most incredible experience. And I, I haven't really looked back since. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's not the topic we're talking about tonight, but this is such an important thing, I think, and, and such a, a common thing with, with young adults is kind of losing their faith and having to um, and find it back again, especially through like mental health and stuff. And I think that's really, really important that we kind of keep those conversations going. It's not tonight's topic, but um, I think it's, it's great that we've got you both here chatting about this tonight. Um, so tonight's topic is, is mission. And I think that's such a, a massive word and can cover so many different things. Um, so I thought we'd start just by you each bringing your sort of definition of mission. What, is, what does it mean to you? What does it look like in your life? Um, yeah. Becky, did you want to start? Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, so mission to me, I mean, the early church was, um, you know, the definition of mission was to go out and make disciples um, of the world. And so you don't have to... Um, I'm stealing Zoe's words here, I think. I'm really sorry. But um, uh, you don't have to go overseas um, in order to do that. It's, um, you know, it's something that can be done um, in your school, in your workplace. Um, um, or, like us two have done, you can, you can go overseas and, you know, tell people um, about Jesus. That's, that's what mission means to me. Yep, I would say that my answer is very similar. Um, I sometimes struggle with the word mission because I think it has negative connotations, especially... Um, when you call someone a missionary, there are real negative connotations um, that have really valid reasons for having negative connotations. There have been lots of Christians who have um, done mission in a way that has upset people. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have always got a very sort of tentative use of the word mission. But like Becky said, I, I think it's something that we're called to. Um, and I think every one of us is called to it. I think God doesn't tell us, you know, this person is called to mission, you're not. I think he says in the Bible, go out and make disciples. And that is the great commission. That is what we are all asked to do. And so, yeah, I don't think, um, yeah, I'm just about to repeat myself. Yep. <laughs> no, that's cool. I think for both of you saying that actually your faith was a huge part of your kind of um, call to mission. Mm. Um, and that was a huge part of that thing. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so when we were speaking uh, previously, you both mentioned about a moment that you, you had this moment where you were like called to mission or you felt a stirring um, to mission um, or maybe a specific mission. What was that? Do you want to expand on that a little bit? Um, well, I'd been with The Forge about four years and um, Debbie Banks, um, who was the wife of Duncan Banks, one of the pastors, she, um, she went out with a church from Birmingham to Zambia 
um, and had an, in an incredible time out there. And um, George Snyman also, who's the um, he's the founder of Hands at Work, which is the um, charity we were involved with in Zambia. Um, he came um, to our church and gave a talk, and, and the stories he told um, about the the um, AIDS crisis, the HIV crisis in sub sub-Saharan Africa, um, those stories of, of children um, without parents, um, that that really called to me. I, I couldn't bear the thought that there were these children there that that had no one to love them, and and that was what I wanted to do. I want to go out and um, just mother these children, um, really, to show them that, that someone, you know, someone cares about you, you know, you matter. Um, so for me, I first went to Africa when I was 11. I went with my mum and my brother um, and my old IT teacher who started a charity. Um, and it wasn't a Christian organization. And so it wasn't necessarily missionary work, but it was working with orphans in Uganda. And so that was my first kind of experience of that. Um, and that trip was really eye-opening for me, especially as a young person, to kind of um, have my worldview changed at a young age was really a part of the way I grew up, I think. Um, and then, as I say, I walked away from faith, but I didn't lose that passion. And so I think it's really important to remember that the two don't come hand in hand. It's not everyone who goes abroad is a Christian. It's not everyone who does good work as a Christian. Um, yeah, it can be anyone. Um, and so I didn't have that faith during my teenage years, but still had that real desire to work in that industry, to work for an organization that served people abroad. And so I went to university at 18 and I studied international development, which is basically studying poverty and the, the deep um, history behind it and the politics and the economics and all of that kind of boring stuff um, that makes it what it is now. And as I said, I became a Christian again when I was in my first year of university. And so um, when I was 18, I went with my church, with the Forge Church, to Zambia on a short-term mission trip. And so that was two weeks in Zambia where I um, was able to be part of a kids' camp that happened, but also just spend time in Maposa, which is a community that our church sponsors. Um, and so we sponsor 100 children there, and that means that they get food every day, they get education, they get their health needs met, um, and they just have people walking with them who love them and who want to see them do well in life. And that really stirred something in me that made me want to be involved in that. And so I went on four of the short-term mission trips uh, before moving to Africa for a year to serve with Hands at Work. And so I lived in South Africa, for three months and then Zambia um, for the rest of the year with a visit to the Congo as well. Fantastic. So I think you've both mentioned hands at work there. Um, did you want to just, one of you or both of you, explain a little bit about what that charity is um, and what they do, what they're trying to achieve? Uh, sure, I can take this one. <laughs> so Hands are a Christian organization um, founded by a man called George Snyman, who is a South African man um, and so Hans is across is it seven, eight, eight sub-Saharan African countries. Um, and so we work in lots of different broken communities. Hans' mission and vision is to serve widows and orphans um, and enable the local church to do that. Hans is very um, clear on not wanting to step in and tell people how to live their lives but to get alongside people and to walk with people 
um, and really build up African leaders. That is the mantra and it is wonderful. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, you've both been out with Hands at Work. So what does that actually look like? I mean, myself, um, I've never been abroad on mission. Um, I've always sort of done home, homegrown mission. Um, so tell us a little bit about what that looks like when you actually go abroad. What is it you're doing out there? What's the day-to-day -day kind of um, grind when you're doing out there? Um, so for me, um, <clears throat> when we do short-term mission, um, the team, um, those that apply to come on the trip, um, we meet together about four times um, before we go out. Um, the first time is to um, check that we, you know, we will work together as a team because um, it's, you know, everyone's got different personalities and it's it's quite important to get that ironed out before you get out there. Um, <laughs> um, but then um, we also talk about, you know, the things that we'll be doing out there um, and and the way that the the, um, the team has run has evolved over the years. So the first um, the first few times I went out, um, we just ran we just did two weeks of children's camps um, and we had. I think we had 40, 40 children, about 10 from each different community. Um, and then as more and more churches um, got involved with hands, um, we started to focus on a, um, each church, start to partner with a, a single community and build that relationship, um, which was, you know, it was really important. So then the team, um, what the team does now is um, the first week we're out with the, um, in the community, um, with the adults as well as the children, um, doing holy home visits, spending time with the care workers. Um, so the care workers, um, as we've already mentioned, are the African, um, the African church that are rising up to take care of you know their their widowed and their orphans and their dying and the international church which is us we come in and we we stand alongside them as they do that um and so the first week we're in the community and then the second week we're running a, a kids camp from the farm um so the, some children are selected from the community and they come to the farm they get three meals a day and they get um, medicine if they need it and we play games and we have a really good time I think that's brilliant what you said about um, sort of coming alongside the community because I think sometimes there's this sort of misconception and I guess sometimes it might be the case that people go abroad, they spend a week doing things that look good um, but they're not really achieving anything. But what you've sort of said there is you're coming along the community and you're helping the people that are there in the community to help themselves effectively and actually better the life long term. Um, so you have done more short-term mission mm -hmm. and Zoe you've done a, see, a long time you've been in Africa for a long time now um is there a difference or is it very much the same day-to-day -day, or what what did your year look like on a day-to-day -day basis sure so it looked quite different to that um so I had an orientation process at the start which was really important it was lots of meetings and lots of watching how other people worked and just learning how to do the job well I think there is sometimes a misconception that people do missions and they just jump straight into it. They don't really know what they're doing, but they work it out on the uh, ground. And I, I once read a thing that said, um, it was talking about the negative impact of that. And it said, you wouldn't let someone fly a plane just because they felt like God had called them to it. And so why do we let people serve poor, vulnerable children just because God has called them to it? And that's something that hands really doesn't do. There is a really intense training process to make sure that you know what you're doing, you're well equipped. Um, and so that was my first three months in Africa. And then I moved to Zambia, where I was part of the finance team. Um, so I was a bookkeeper, a project accountant, 
my my day-to-day kind of really looked like whatever it needed to be it was mostly in the office um but i was going out to community as well and that really depended on the day it could look like bathing children it could look like playing with children praying with grandmothers um visiting people's homes and working out what we could do to get alongside them it really depended on the day um but just to add something to what becky was saying George once came to the forge um, many years ago, I think it was many years ago, um, and he shared a story about um, short-term teams and the importance of them. And he said, he gave two examples, and one of them was a team can go out there and they can build a, a school or a hospital or whatever it is, and they can come away and they can feel like they've done something really good. Or they can go out there and get alongside the local builders and say, how, like, how can we help you? What can we do to get alongside you? And the school can, like, just the foundations can be built. And then the team comes home and they might feel like, oh, only the foundation was built. And George asked, which one is successful? The one where it was built or the one where they got alongside people? And of course, the answer that he is looking for is the one where we get alongside people. And that's that's the real importance of short-term teams. It's not to get out there and tick a box and great, we did this thing, but to get out there and show people how loved they are and to walk with them and do the day-to-day life with them. Um, and that's something that I've really loved watching this year. I've been a part of lots of teams coming out. I've helped host, I've helped uh, take teams to community and watch what they do. And yeah, that is a really wonderful thing that it really encourages the people that are on the ground um, it encourages our African volunteers to see that people will fly all the way out there just to show how loved they are. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think that kind of idea of coming alongside people really kind of goes out through all types of mission and ministry. Um, like in my role as a, as a youth worker, you you come alongside young people rather than just sort of teaching them or telling them. And actually, like you personally may not see the massive gain um, in some of the situations, but actually you know that you've laid those foundations in that person that in the future is going to help. And I think that's really important. So how do you, so for me, the idea of going abroad is a bit scary. Um, it's one of the reasons I've not done it. How do you prepare yourself mentally for that? So actually think, especially if you're going abroad for maybe a whole year, how, how did you kind of get yourself in that mindset of being, of being away for so long? Um, I think... It was easier for me because I'd done university. I think I had, um, I had it a bit easier. I went out with someone else from our church called Jess who had never left home, had never um, been away from her family for more than two weeks. And so for her, committing to be away from them for at least a year, I think was bigger. Um, and she was 18 when we left. And so I think it was amazing what she did. Um, and so I think the biggest thing is prayer and communication with the organization that you're going to be working with. I think it's so important if you're going to do this to really know what you're committing to and who you're committing to. Um, But to also know that if you get out there and you realize you've made a mistake, it's okay. It's not a failure. It's not you. You haven't done anything wrong. You have given it a go. Um, And that has happened to people. People have gone out there thinking they would do a year and gone, oh, I think I misread this situation. I've done the wrong thing. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. And so... I think just being gentle with yourself is the main thing. Fantastic. What about yourself for doing short term? Is it a similar process of prayer and how do you prepare yourself for even just a short term? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I still even now get terribly homesick, even though it's just two weeks. So, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, 
Yeah, it's uh, so part of the um, so part of the four meetings that we do is um, um, a lot of people are not really sure of what to expect, um, and in a way you want to prepare them, and in a way you don't want to prepare them um, because I think with some of the things that they're going to see, it's, it's very difficult, you know, to. Um, but it's really important that um, to be. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why being a team before we go there is so important um, so that those relationships are there so that when we're in the thick of it, when we're seeing things that perhaps make us uncomfortable, we feel safe with each other to be able to talk about it. Um, and and the Hans, um, the Hans um, family our family um, when we're out there as well so we haven't just got each other we have got the the hands team there too and that's that's a huge part of um, you know being able to deal with what we what we see out there and, and how it affects the team yeah no I, I relate to that you know being a bit homesick um, I myself am a massive mummy's boy I mean I, I went to Cambridge uni so I was half an hour down the road and that was too far away from me I hated it um, I was back every weekend so I get that um, so when you're out there what was the impact on the people that you saw out there for, for the two weeks and for the whole year what was the impact you had on those people in their day-to-day lives Zoe did you want to go first sure um, so I think I, I will come to the impact that I made on them, but I think it's so important to remember the impact they make on us as well. We so often, um, this is a very general statement, but from the West, we go into these situations very big-headed. Um, with sort of the idea of, I'm going to fix Africa. It's okay, guys. I'm, I'm going. It's going to be okay. I'm, I've got this. And that's so wrong and so messed up. And yet there is a part of us in the West that we do that because we think we've got it figured out as a society here. And so... Um, I think it's something that we say in hands a lot, that often people go to Africa thinking they will fix Africa, and actually Africa fixes them. And that's really been my experience this year. Um, it's been a really rough year for me. I, I cannot pretend that it has all been wonderful and shiny and lovely. It's been rough. Um, and it's part of why I'm back home right now, why I'm having a longer period back home, because it was a really rough year. But Africa is wonderful and just does something to you, I think. And I know that sounds really general and vague, um, but I don't really know how to put it into words. Africa does something to you. And so, yeah, there is, there is an impact that you make, but I think you have to be aware when you go on missions as well, it's going to change your life and you will never be the same, hopefully. <laughs> um, but yeah, as for the, um, the change I've made in people's lives and the way that I've impacted people, um, I don't like this question because I think I sound really big-headed answering it, no matter what I say. Um, but I think it's like I was saying a minute ago, it's just getting alongside people, which doesn't have to be abroad. I think missions can happen here and does happen here and should happen here. Um, and so no matter where you are, what you're doing, I think as Christians, it's just getting alongside people, doing life next to people and... Um, yeah, just walking with people so much, just sitting with people and listening and being a hand to hold and someone to cry with them. Um, and so I hope that's the impact I've been. I hope I have encouraged our African leaders and our African volunteers, because what they do is so much more than I could ever do. They sacrifice so much to do the work that they're doing and they are wonderful people. And so even if I have encouraged one person in the last year, that's good enough for me brilliant yeah so becky is that similar to maybe doing it for a couple of weeks at a time or is there different do you see more of an impact because you're there for such an intense amount of time or 
Um, I think um, for me, it's slightly different in that I've been out. I've been out to the same place so many times, um, and and I think for um, the people of Maposa community that we partner with, I think for them that's that's really important that they do see familiar faces that keep coming back, um, that they know the relationship is there, and they can send they send letters home, and um, people that have been out on previous teams are able to send letters to them through us, um, and and. And we are we are um, you know a big community you know we they they know our names we know theirs um, and so and so that's really important that, you know I I hope that from doing this they know they know how much um, they matter to us and and to God and and you know the same for us you know they make us feel so so special and loved it's um it's incredible but just going back to what you said when you said about um Zoe sorry <laughs> um because they can't see what I'm looking at here <laughs> um but just to see who um just uh, what you're going saying about you know it's all right guys I'm going in don't worry I'm going to save Africa um I had I had sort of a similar experience in that um the hands one of the hands team was going to build a playground in our community Maposa for the children and um I remember we got there and we got the tools out and um we you know us us um us team from the forge we, we got the tools and we started to dig and um was digging away and all of a sudden um one of the um care workers is she came and took the tools out of my hands and started to do it herself. And I was like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm going to be doing this for you. You shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> and, um, and, and it wasn't until I stepped back that I realized they, they didn't want us to do it for them. They wanted to do it with us um, so that it was all of us together. And one of the things about the extreme poverty that we seem out there when you ask the people, you know, how does poverty make you feel? It makes them feel really ashamed. Um, and and so by building the playground together, you know, it wasn't, we weren't patronizing them. You know, we were all doing it together and that made that made all the difference. It totally changed how I, how I saw it. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, stories I've heard previously from people who have been out who talk about the generosity of these people as well. Like, you go out there and they have so little, but they, they give so much of it to you when you're out there. Um, so is there a specific story that you can think of or something that happened while you're out there that you can look back and be like, you know, oh, that alone would have made all of this worth it or something that had a particular impact on you or something more specific that we can kind of um, expand on? Is there anything like that? Um, for me, um, it was um, a little boy called, um, well, I'll call him Joseph. That wasn't his real name. <laughs> um, so he was a little boy that came into um, the camp for um, a week away. And um, when when the children come in, we, we generally sort of do um, a really swift general health check, just make sure there's no nothing glaring that they need to go to the clinic for and get medicine. And he came and he just had this, this really small um, scab on his leg. And um, the, first, the first day of playing um, football, the, the ball went into his leg and just, and all the dirt came off and this huge wound opened up. And he told us that what had happened is he'd, um, he'd fallen on a nail and it pretty much went down to the bone and the the flesh around it was starting to die away and um, because of coming to the camp we were able to get him to clinic um, we were able to get him 
the medicine that he needed and and you know that the hands team were fantastic you know they facilitated all of that um and he was he was able to come back to camp and you know just we every every day we had to wipe his leg down and um it was so painful but he just absolutely soaked up all that attention and and all the other children would come around and want you to put bandages on their legs and um and it, it was really lovely but but he came to camp and and that just that action probably saved his leg or at least his life you know and it was that was amazing to be part of that and also um when I first started going out and um, when when hands the work with hands was doing there was still quite young the the children that came you would look at them and they're the expression behind their eyes was just dead. There was there was no joy. There was no laughter. There was none of that. And you know they were covered in in ringworm, and their their bellies were huge from lack of food. Um, and fast forward ten years, and you know these children they're they're so different. You know there's. Uh, they're, they're growing up to be strong and healthy because of the feeding program. Um, you know, they, they don't have ringworm anymore, but it's, it's the expression in their eyes. You know, they are alive and it's, it's wonderful to see. I mean, that's it's sort of mind-blowing, really, that something so simple as treating a wound can mean so much to them. And it's something we just take so for granted um, in our lives, but actually it means so much to them. And I just love the kind of the picture of all the other kids wanting the bandages on their legs. That's just fantastic. Um, Zoe, you've got obviously a whole year to think of. Um, is there something you can pick out from that as a specific story? Sure. So, yeah, like you say, a million things go through my mind when I think about the things that have made an impact on me and the things that I will forever hold tightly. Um, I think going to the Congo was really big for me. I think that was a really life-changing uh, week for me, seeing the poverty that exists there. And um, the Congo is just a country that we... Even when we're in Africa, even when we are in our different African countries, it feels distant and it feels like there's this real darkness about the Congo because they have had so much destruction there. Um, and so getting to spend a week there and spending a week with those children and just being like, my goodness, these are still just children. They want to play and they want you to come and dance with them and have fun. And yeah, that was something that really impacted me. And that um, is something that I will hold really tightly. But I think also throughout the year, I was blessed enough to stay in some homes of the children that we serve. I was able to um, stay the night. And those are the times I think that I really understood um, on a deeper level. And I think, you know, I, I want to be cautious to say we will never fully understand. We will never be able to understand what they go through day to day. Um, but spending more than 24 hours in their homes just kind of helped me a little bit to see the brokenness that they are living in um, and the, the impact that poverty has on their lives day to day. Um, and so, yeah, I, I could tell you those stories, but I would cry. Um, but we'll happily tell you one-to-one -one if you want to meet. Um, but yeah, I want to be able to <laughs> share more with you right now. So I won't go into those because I will just bawl. Um, but they are kids that I will always hold very tightly near my heart and will always pray for and will always... Um, yeah, just feel really lucky that I got that that chance to to walk alongside them that closely and to share with them a bit more about who Jesus is. Yeah. So, what's it like coming back then? So you, you've you've been out for a year. 
or a couple of weeks and you then come back to your normal life what how do you like how do you get your mindset right to get just back into sort of normal life here is it difficult or have you found it quite easy like how do you approach that um for me it's so hard and you know I've done short term and I've done long term and I don't think one is harder than the other um I remember my third um short term trip thinking I will be fine this time I have done this I know what I'm going back into and of course when you're going back to your home country um which for us is England you know exactly what you're going into and yet there's something about the reverse culture shock that is so hard um it's really hard I I think the biggest thing for me was walking into my home um which I know well I have lived in the same house my whole life nothing surprised me and yet i i was shocked at how much i had and how much i take it for granted um and so yeah i think you can't prepare yourself for it because i think for everyone um and i would imagine becky would agree it's different things that trigger you it's sometimes it's your home sometimes it's walking into a supermarket and just being disgusted at the amount of food we have um it's really hard having conversations with people sometimes and you feel even saying that i feel ungrateful saying that because i know people want to have conversations but so often it's a how was africa and you're like oh my goodness that's the whole continent you want me to tell you about the whole continent <laughs> um and it's it's really hard sometimes to answer um and so yeah i it's not easy but i wouldn't want that to put you off it it's such an a wonderful thing to do it's such a um a great thing to do and it's hard but it should be hard we we should feel unsettled and we should feel uncomfortable i agree it's it's always difficult um to come back it's always difficult to try and put your experiences into words isn't it um, and i remember when um I mean, it's it's always difficult to come back um, from from hands at work and and the community in pace. It's always hard. Um, I've also been out um, with a charity called Street Kids Direct in Guatemala, which, if you don't know, is the country directly under Mexico. Because I didn't know before I went. Um, so it just saves you getting a map out and having a look. But um, uh, so Street Kids Direct it works with children in Guatemala City, and um, the Dunk Dyson, he was the um, he with Joanna Soden and Matt Levitt. They um, set up this charity, and it was in response to um, a program, a BBC documentary called um, "They Shoot Children, Don't They?" Um, and the the government in Guatemala City had um, authorised police to shoot street children and the street children to clean up the streets, um, basically. And um, Duncan, um, when we went out there, he told some harrowing stories of children that he'd befriended. Um, and there was one particular boy, he was um, he curled up to sleep in a doorway and a police, police drove by, saw him and got at him and shot him point blank in the head. And coming back from that, I... I I just cried daily for weeks uh, after that, and it was really hard. and And at one point, I thought, "Oh, this this is going to get the better of me." Um, but what helped me was um, saying, "Okay, well, you know, this is happening. What can I What can I do?" And um, taking action, um, trying to, um, you know. You, you can't solve it, you know, you can't, you can't make it all better much as we want to, but, you know, we can do things, you know, we can tell other people their stories, we can stir people to action. Um, and, 
you know, it, whilst it doesn't, whilst it doesn't make it all better, it, it was definitely helped me to cope with, with coming back. If I can just add something to that as well, I, I just want to reiterate what Becky said at the end there about telling the stories. For me, something that has always really helped me is blogging while I'm out there. Um, and that has to be done really sensitively because it is people you're talking about. It is their stories you're sharing. And, you know, we always have to think about if that was a family member, would we want people to write about them? And so that has to be done very sensitively. But I think because you are so emotional when you get home and it is so hard because you are thinking about everything you have seen and you are battling with re-entry and all of that, I think it's really positive to have blogged. Um, I think the best conversations I've had have been with people who have read my blogs and who can talk to me about very specific things that I went through, um, especially because of being there for a year. It's really hard to pinpoint things. And so to have people say, oh, that that you blogged about really stood out to me and then be able to have a conversation about that one specific thing, um, I think invites people in in a way that I wouldn't necessarily know how to if I was trying to talk about the whole year. Yeah, definitely. And so sort of going back slightly to about that sort of culture shock that you were you were talking about, you know, um, that is a real thing. And I think it's, it's big enough of a culture shock going up north sometimes. Like, you know, so, you know, going abroad like that is, is incredible. Um, and I think as well, kind of from what you're saying here is actually, you know, the mission doesn't end when you come home. Um, and actually sharing those stories and kind of spurring other people on to do something is almost a continuation of that mission as well. Um, I mean, we could talk about this for ages, but I thought we'll get on to some, some sort of more practical stuff. So initially, um, if there's someone in here or someone listening that is kind of had something stirred inside them, practically, how do we go about this? They, they might want to go to mission. What do they do next? Who do they talk to? Yeah. Well, if you're interested in coming with hands at work, please come and talk to me um, or contact the church office um, and they'll they'll gladly point you in the right direction. Um, if, you're, if you're wondering about getting involved um, in mission in general, um, I would advise um, three things and I've made some notes. Um, <laughs> um, first, be prepared to be affected. Um, you're very likely to see and experience things that live with you a long time after you're home. And it's really important before you go, make sure you've got that support network there. Um, for me, my, my faith was a huge part of, of um, helping me to come to terms with what I saw. Also, the people around me, um, I knew there were people that I could talk to. Um, the, the second is, is what we've talked about already. Be prepared to tell others about what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, because the people you will meet, their stories deserve to be told. And um, it might stir others into action. You know, we don't want you to just go there and, you know, be devastated and then come home again. That's not what it's about. It's, um, you know, we, we want this to be a, a process. Um, and also be prepared to be challenged. Um, so mission can be messy. And there's no easy answers a lot of the time. But don't be disheartened because although there are sad times, there are also really, really good times too. And you can be a huge part of that. Uh, yeah, because she's not going to say it about herself, I will say it. Talk to Becky. <laughs> Becky was my team leader um, for three of my four trips. And she is incredible. She's been doing this for, I want to say, 11 years. Is that right? 12, 12 years. Um, and so she's an expert in mission trips and so talk to her um i was on a trip with someone called trev frost who some of you might know 
And he is someone who signed up um, because he felt like God was prompting him to. And he was someone who he doesn't necessarily um, think kids work is for him. And so, yeah, signing up to run and to help run a kids camp and to do that stuff was out of his comfort zone. Um, But Trev was really integral in me deciding to do hands for a year. He was kind of the final straw for me. He was the one that really challenged me. And that was while we were in Africa. And so if you feel like God is prompting you to do this, um, talk to Trev. (laughs) He knows about that. But, um, But I would say just jump in, try it. There might be a reason other than the obvious why God is calling you to do this. Um, But also, like we've spoken about, you can do mission at home, foster children. I think that's something that we don't talk about enough. And I think that's something really important. Um, Get alongside people who are struggling. Get alongside people who have little children because it is hard work. Having lived in community for a year and um, sim people raise little children, it is tough and I am not ready for it. (laughs) But we can get alongside people that are doing that. It doesn't have to be... um, the big things, it can just be cooking someone a meal once a week. There are things that we can all be doing. And yeah, I would encourage you to really think about what you can be doing. Can I also just say that Trevor Frost is fantastic at catching tarantulas. Oh, um, yeah. And so if you've, got, if you've got a big spider in your home, <laughs> Trev's the man to call. <laughs> fantastic, yeah. Um, I'm not sure we will have that problem here, but... <laughs> Um, so thank you guys so much for coming and, and sharing a little bit about your stories tonight. Um, if there is anyone who sort of felt stirred by this or wants to know more, talk to these guys or get in contact with us on the Instagram pages and we can point you in the right direction or, or chat to you about it. And, and that's brilliant. So that, that's the end of the interview section of tonight. So for those of you listening on the podcast, thank you for being here with us. Um, but this is where we leave you. Um, so God bless and we'll see you again soon. Thank you.